0: How many of you guys know that Christmas is this week? Because, I, like, it's kind of startling, if you're honest. Like, it's already here. Bill, we were just saying, like, wow, <laughs> where is December gone? It's, it's wild that by the end of this week we'll have gathered and celebrated Christmas. Who still has Christmas shopping to do? It's okay. Just a little bit of judgment. No problem. Okay, so normally I'm, like, the down to the last minute. Um, I don't know what got into me this year. I've been done with my Christmas shopping for, like, three weeks, I don't know what to do with myself right now. It just, it feels a little strange, uh, to be honest with you. But, you know, gift-giving is one of those things that we celebrate at Christmas. And I got to be honest with you, we're going to talk about sharing gifts uh, at Christmas, and in no way was it planned that we'd be doing our all-in gift uh, together as a church on the same Sunday that we'd be talking about sharing gifts. Uh, But since we pushed ours back a week, uh, that's where we've landed. So uh, just interesting the way God kind of put that together. But, You know, that joy of gift-giving that if you were to think back to when you were a kid, you remember those feelings that you had as you'd walk down the stairs or come into the family room and see under the tree all those gifts and just that excitement that you had the, the wonder of like oh my goodness what, what's in all of them which ones are for me you know and as a little kid you're picking up all of them you're looking at the big boxes right because uh, the big boxes are always the best ones and you know you wanted to find out is one for me which ones have my name on them and then as adults you know we've come to uh, find that saying that it's uh, better to give than to receive right to be uh, very true now we look forward to giving gifts to our loved ones and to, to see the joy on their faces as they open these things, as we've put thought in, into these different gifts to give them. We, we like to give, and giving has become just a part of what we do at Christmas. It's one of those traditions. Um, I don't know if you guys do it in your house, that maybe on a Christmas Eve you get to open one thing. We have all kinds of different traditions as it comes to gift giving, and we could stop and ask, you know, where do those traditions come from? And some people would point back, and say, oh, well, you know what, really, gift-giving is just an outpouring of pagan traditions that we've just adopted as the church or as a celebration of Christmas over the years, that, you know, long, long ago, these people at the end of the year would come together and uh, give gifts in exchange because they're celebrating the end of a year and the the start of a new year, and so we want to start it off on a a good note, and they'd even offer gifts to pagan gods to, earn favor for that new year to come. We could say, well, see, gift-giving is a bad thing. Or you might look back to, uh, you guys familiar with the song, Here We Come a Wasseling, right? We've kind of changed it to Here We Come a Caroling, right? And uh, that's one of those songs that we uh, made, those carols that we'd sing at Christmas time. And you know, some people may point back to that as people would go, uh, especially the poor, house to house, exchanging a, a drink of wassail for an exchangement of a gift from the wealthy and the clashing of the, the different classes of the day. And maybe that's where the tradition of gift giving really started. But especially within the church, we look back to, uh, in Matthew's Gospel, in Matthew chapter 2, the gifts that the wise men give. And that's one of those reasons that, as Christians, we stop and say, look, gift-giving is, isn't a bad thing. It can happen for all the bad reasons, but giving of gifts isn't necessarily in and of itself bad. And so, uh, as we recognize that in the next week we're going to be doing a lot of gift-giving and gift-receiving, want to stop and talk about these things uh, for a little bit. So, I invite you to open to Matthew chapter 2 uh, with me this morning. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11 and just uh, spending some time uh, with these wise men, these guys that you've probably heard a lot about. We're familiar with them. We sing songs, we three kings of Orientar, bearing gifts we traverse afar, right? And there's all kinds of assumptions and speculations that are brought into these things. But we just want to stop and look at what's going on here. And I don't even want to so much focus on the gifts themselves. But I want us to focus on what's happening and the why. And so let's look at our passage together, and just kind of see what's happening. And um, I'm going to be honest with you, as we do this, uh, some of you might be thinking, well, wait a minute, this is more just a story. It's not really a prescription for us to do these things. And I would agree. Right, as we look at the wise men, I don't think Matthew records it so that we could look at it and be like, oh, see, see gifts, gifts, right? You're supposed to give gifts, and this is how and everything. But I want to bring in some other scriptures today and just look at this as an example of, of some who, on the very first Christmas, if you will, gave and gave in a, in a worthy manner. So, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying Where is he who's been born king of the Jews for we for we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him When Herod the king heard this he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea for so it was written by the prophet gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Let's just pray as we go to the Lord's, uh, go before the Lord and his word this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we open this uh, text up, uh, we are just encouraged at uh, these men who traveled uh, to come and to worship this this baby, uh, taking the the writings of the scriptures and what they have heard and learned about this star and what it would indicate and they they acted on that and they came to worship so lord as we open this passage and, and just spend some time this morning talking about giving gifts i ask that you would uh, just to open our hearts open our minds Uh, to your word that you would just encourage us this year as we consider the gift giving uh, that we'll participate in Uh, maybe even the gift giving that we have participated in or that we would do so in a way that's honoring to you father i ask you to be lifted up and glorified at this time in the preaching of your word it's in christ's name we pray amen amen lots of uh different things as we come to christmas we've got the the typical cast if you will uh, the people who are kind of part of the christmas story that we're familiar with you've may have a nativity scene set up in your own house at some point or somewhere. Um, I know Pete likes to go and grab the little angels and carry them all over the house, so ours is uh, rather incomplete, if you will, because he's redecorated and uh, keeps things a little interesting for us. But uh, as we spend some time this morning, I want to talk about uh, the gifts that we bring. And I'm going to honestly talk less about the gifts that we give each other and more about the gifts that we bring back to God. Uh, That's really what the wise men are doing here. They're not exchanging gifts with themselves at this time of year, but they've come to offer gifts uh, to Christ, taking on faith that he's this king that's been promised they've come to worship him and so as we begin this discussion i want to just stop at the very uh, basis of it because what we could do and i think would be a disjustice to it is to uh, start with the gifts i think those are the last bit of importance but to start with what is truly important here and that is the purpose of giving why do we give? Why do we do something like uh, bringing gifts forward? Why do we encourage and talk about giving in the church throughout the year and not just uh, of our finances? But why is this something uh, of giving back to God that's so important to us? We have to ask the reason, what is the purpose of it all? Now, uh, there are a lot of bad reasons, right? You even see in our passage today, right? Uh, the wise men are coming to worship God. Herod says he wants to worship. Uh, I think we know that his... True intentions are not to come and worship this child, but he's got other plans. So we've got some inclination that there is some inappropriate or wrong worship, if you will, and right worship. And I would say that as we come before God on a regular basis today, uh, you might be familiar with some of the the bad reasons, the inappropriate reasons for giving back to God. Perhaps uh, some people give to God because they're trying to buy God's favor if you will, trying to earn his favor or appease the wrath of God. that uh, We'd say, okay, if I give something back to God, then he'll look on me with kindness. Maybe he'll he'll forgive my wrongs that I've done. I've done these different things, and and God's going to look past those things. But brothers and sisters, we know that at the end of the day, God's not fooled by our external actions. He knows the matter of our hearts. We can't fool him. So that's not a good reason to give. Secondly, uh, some people may give me, just merely for recognition, right? As we do something like we've even done today, that's, that's a concern for some people, isn't it? I recognize that for some to, to come forward and to give a gift in a way like this, is, it's uncomfortable, right because we don't want to do these kind of things we don't want to give to get a pat in the back from someone else to say hey uh, look at so and so they're giving so much they're doing all this and we think back to that uh, time with the poor woman and the the rich man and she gave just a couple quarters and or i'm sorry they're not really quarters were they um and he gave all this money and and jesus kind of flips the whole thing on its head right we think when Jesus says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's giving. And so we recognize that giving for recognition isn't the right reason to do it. And that's why throughout our year, we, we try to say, hey, we want this to be a matter that's between you and God. That's not the reason we do these things. Perhaps some people give for, to ease a guilty conscience wrestling with and dealing with just the feeling of dirtiness or guilt in their souls. Like, I recognize that I have screwed up and fallen short, and if I could do some level of good, maybe it'll help to clean some of that away, as if we start to view uh, our morality as a scale between the good and bad, right? And if we could just uh, even that scale or even tip it more to the good, then we'd be on the right track. Maybe some give because we have this uh, false idea that we have to meet God's needs. I don't think we'd ever have the audacity to say that publicly, but in our hearts, do we at times feel that way? I give because God needs my giving. God doesn't need our giving, He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I heard a. Uh, Kind of an illustration, I'm going to give credit where credit is due because it's not mine, Uh, but I thought it gives perspective to this. Um, A couple months ago, we hit a raccoon with our car, okay? And while it was in the shop getting fixed, our insurance provided us with a rental car. Now we drive this rental car around for a little while and how crazy would it have been if when we were done with the rental I took it back to the place in DeKalb drove up, walked in with a little pep in my step dropped the keys on the counter and said check out this sweet ride that I brought you guys how great is it that I've given you this car what would the people behind the counter do? What? Thinking this guy is a little off his rocker couple screws loose don't you know that that was never your car that's our car that you rented from us that you borrowed for you're not giving us anything of yourself and I think there's some similarities when it comes to giving our things back to God isn't there sometimes we have this mentality that we are giving something that is ours to God but at the end of the day was it ever truly ours All things belong to God. It is merely a matter of honoring Him with those things. So if it's not for any of those reasons, if those things aren't the purpose of our giving, let's stop and look at what the true purpose ultimately is. The true purpose of our giving is worship. It is a matter of our hearts. God doesn't need our stuff. It's not for our recognition, but it is a matter of worship in our hearts. Even the wise men... As we look at them, these magi, they've come to worship. They've come to worship God. So as we offer gifts throughout our year, we do so in a manner of worship back to God because uh, true worship is something that's much more than mere lip service, isn't it? It's easy to say something, and it's altogether different to live on that. And so as we uh, bring our gifts and consider the giving that we participate in, it's not for the recognition from the church or even from our own families or even that pat on the back from ourselves it's a matter of worship to god giving to him as an act of worship because it demonstrates that god is greater it says god you are of infinite value It puts things in perspective for us that as we would give, we might declare with our giving, God, you are greater than my entertainment. Man, because I could sure go out to see a couple more movies. I could get that uh, TV subscription. I could. But instead, I'm giving to you because you are of greater value and significance. Lord, you are greater than that convenience, buying the nicer car, getting that extra thing that would just maybe make life a little bit easier. The new phone, the new computer or tablet. But Lord, to honor you is greater. Is greater than an extra vacation, etc. The true purpose of giving is worship. To elevate God in a way that is honoring to Him. And I think that gives us some perspective as we get into talking a little bit more about these wise men, that if the true purpose Of giving is worship, then we need to remember this Christmas what the true posture of giving really is. Let's look at the posture of giving. I think as we look at these uh, men who came on that uh, first Christmas again, if you will, to honor Christ, there's a couple different postures that we see. And I'd also like to invite you just right now real quick to open up to Second Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to kind of bounce back and forth a little bit between Matthew chapter 2 and 2 Corinthians 9, so it might be good to stick your finger there and be ready for that. At that point in 2 Corinthians, Paul is talking to, um, the, obviously, the church in Corinth um, about a gift that they had planned and prepared uh, to give. The heading in, in my Bible is a collection for Christians in Jerusalem, um, and he's going to be talking with them about that, uh, what they're doing, why they're doing it, and stuff like that. So it'll be helpful for us as we'll kind of bounce back and forth to that. But I think it's important for us to stop and recognize that in our manner of worship and in the posture of our worship, that the how is just as important, if not more important, than the what. But the how is just as much important, if not more important, than the what. As we look at the wise men, we would say, I want to highlight that the first posture, if you will, of our giving is done in response. It's a response to uh, the gift that God has first given. The wise men weren't coming on their own terms. They weren't just coming randomly. They were coming as a response of the advent of this child. Uh, They saw a star, and in response to seeing the star, they have come to worship. A king of the Jews Has been born, we've come to worship him. As Christians, as we give back to God, we're not giving to God first and foremost. We are giving to God because he has given first. And at Christmas time, we stop and recognize the greatest gift, more than your regular income and your things, the gift that God has given is his son. Do not take lightly the son of God in helpless babe the advent of God in the flesh how crazy is that that the purpose for that whole thing would ultimately be what we'll celebrate a few months from now on Easter to go to the cross, to rise again to to right a relationship that we wronged what a gift that God has initiated first and foremost we didn't earn it, we didn't deserve it but he's given it and so we give in gratitude in response to what he's already done. Now, if you looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, look at verse 15. Paul says, Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible. And isn't that true? How can we express the magnitude and greatness of God's gift to us? When you let that sit and, and simmer in your soul. Uh, Man, that will wreck you in the best possible way. How do we put words to something as great as that? Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. And so as we give, I would encourage you to stop and recognize if you're going to give with the right posture, to do so in response to God's gift because as we approach our giving in that aspect, then we stop and recognize we're not bringing more to the table than God's already put put there he doesn't owe us anything we don't bring anything to god that he owes us a response we are not indebting god to us but we are serving him and we are worshiping him this christmas secondly i think we see that these wise men come in the posture of reverence i, I want you to just try to picture this for a second and look at verse 11 of our passage Going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Literally, to lie prostrate on the ground. Okay, now I, I think we could try to put some perspective to this because our church has a bunch of little kids. I want you to picture Tom Kirkland, Bill Warner, Eric. Just picture the church, how about? coming and lying face down on the ground in worship to a young child. It's crazy and bizarre. But these men come because they recognize that this little babe is of greater significance. He has greater authority. They, I, I would beg to argue that they probably don't even grasp the fullness of who this young child is. But they come in reverence to bow before him. I want to encourage you that as we give, we give in reverence to God. Now, I want you to think of the gifts that you're preparing to give this Christmas. You've probably got a kind of a, a, an array of different people that you're planning to give some gifts to. Some may be acquaintances, people you work with, you know, maybe a neighbor, someone that you rub shoulders with, but you're not all that close. Down to your spouse or your loved ones. Your kids, grandkids, those you you love, they have a very special and dear place in your hearts. Now I want you to think about the process of deciding the gifts that you would give and, and going through those things. Are you giving your neighbor down the street the same kind of gifts that you're giving your children? Are you giving your coworker the same things that you may give your spouse? Have you invested the same amount of thought and energy even resources, into those gifts? I would bet probably not. Because with the closer the relationship, the greater significance you have with that person, you're investing more into the gift. You put more thought into it. Maybe you've made something special. And if we're going to go to that length to honor our loved ones how much more can we show reverence to God in our giving? That is it's not a matter of afterthought, but a matter of great intentionality, a matter of coming before him and saying, Lord, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It is my desire to honor you, not just to give you my scraps, but to give you the first fruits for your glory to lift you up. We give in reverence to the king. Third, we give in rejoicing. Notice as the, they come, verse 10, they see the star. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Just say that like 10 times and try to not feel a little bit more joy in your heart this Christmas. They rejoiced, wow, there you go. there's that. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. These guys were not coming to worship this little child just out of mere obligation or duty. They had joy inexpressible to find, like they were pumped. Here it is. Here's where the star was leading us. Here's the little child that we've come to worship. They were excited about it, they were joyful about it. This wasn't something that was reluctant or they were like, ah, man, someone said we got to come and do this. There was an excitement and joy to do these things. And brothers and sisters, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 here that God loves a cheerful giver. Not to do anything out of compulsion. Not to give reluctantly. But to be cheerful in our giving. And I think that that cheerfulness comes not when we just look at someone saying, hey, uh, giving back to God is something that we ought to be doing. Yes, we ought to do it. But as we come before God and say, Lord, change my heart in it, that it would be a joy for me to give back to you of all of the great blessings that you've first given to me. I can't tell you the amount of times that I sit and I have almost been brought to tears to think, man, how, how crazy is it? How crazy is it that God, the Creator of the universe, the highest authority, God Almighty has given me an opportunity to give back to Him. That He doesn't just reach into my life and exact things from me and say, I'm just taking this. But He has given me an opportunity in the joy of my heart to give back to Him in worship and honor. Sit there for a second and ponder that. That we would give with so much joy and I want you to hear this because I'm going to be honest with you. As a pastor, this is one of those topics that you're like, you don't want to touch it. And as someone sitting in the seats, it's one of those topics that you don't want to hear. But there is so much joy to be found in giving back to God. So much joy in it. And there's blessings to these things, blessings to giving back to God. And this is where I want to turn your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 with me for a second. Because as we look throughout this passage, I'm just going to read some of this so that you can uh, we have an idea of what we're looking at. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now it's superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaï has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this manner, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift that you have promised so that, you may, so that it may be ready as a willing offering, not an exaction. but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Wow. Paul packed some stuff in there, didn't he? There's some great blessings to this uh, participation and giving to the work that God's doing that I think Paul even highlights here. Now, I'm going to give a bit of a list, and he doesn't quite go like, here's here's five blessings, but I think he includes them. Uh, Look with me at these. Number one, I think if you look at verse 2, we can see that our giving encourages other people. For as I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. As we give back to God, that is an encouragement to other people. I would say we can see zeal even in how we give back to God. Our passion, our desire to see his kingdom grow and flourish in this place. That, man, what God is doing here is so great. I'm willing to vest myself in this. I'm willing to give myself to this. And as we do that, man, and I will be honest with you, That as your pastor, I am blown away at the generosity that I've seen of this church, not just in our treasures, but in many ways, people who are here uh, burning the midnight oil, making sure things are being taken care of and done in this place, who are going above and beyond to care for one another, to serve one another, because we recognize that the ministry that God has put before us is of great significance and value. That's encouraging to other people. That's encouraging to the saints to say, wow, look how great God is that it would stir up others. Look at verse 8. I think there's a blessing in our giving that it produces contentment. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency, I have a little number there. I don't know if you have a little number in your Bible. But my little number says, or all contentment. So having all contentment in all things at all times you may abound in every good work i think as we give back to god it produces in us a heart of contentment and what a place to be because when we are content satisfied in what god has given where he has called us to be there is a freedom to hold things open-handed and say lord Use me for your glory. But when we are discontent, we tend to be greedy. We want to hold things tight to the vest. We're less likely to be giving to other people, giving back to God, because we're, we're hoarding up for ourselves what we think we need all the time. There's very different attitudes in those two places of contentment and greed. Greed. So I would say that as we give back to God, it produces, perhaps over time even, an attitude of contentment in your heart. Third, look at verse 10. It produces a harvest of righteousness. This is one of those verses that someone could uh, misinterpret and say that, see, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest. It doesn't stop there, though, does it? Because people say, oh, see, giving to God's just an investment. You want to give $10 now, you'll get $15. God will give you $15 bucks back next year. It's not how it works. I think we know that to be true. But it is an investment. It will produce in a bountiful harvest. But what harvest does Paul say? The harvest of your righteousness. It's quite the blessing that the Lord will be working in us a harvest of righteousness. Verses 11 and 12. You'll be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. I think a blessing of giving is, we, we can be found in personal, personal and corporate gratitude that we give out of the gratitude of what God has given. We give, thank you, Lord, for your generosity to us, that you have bestowed upon our family these opportunities to honor you. Thank you. That as we give, man, I can tell you from the bottom of my heart, I say thank you for your generosity to Village Bible Church. Thank you. Seriously. I mean that. Because your partnership in this ministry and the many ways that you are involved, God is using that for His glory. But that we would also be able to come together and as a church, thank you. That we could all sing of our gratitude to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And lastly, certainly not to go without highlighting, the blessing is that God enables us to participate in the ministry of the church, both locally and globally. Some of you have had opportunities to go on missions trips, and you know at Village Bible Church, our short-term trips are normally a partnership with some of our uh, long-term missions partners, where we get to go in and come alongside them for a short season to, to encourage and support and, and just be a blessing to them. But for some of us, we don't have those kind of opportunities to go uh, to Uganda for a couple weeks, to go to Thailand or you name the place, to Poland. But as we're able to contribute, we are supporting and blessing the ministry that God's doing all around the world. God is doing something far bigger than just what's happening in this space, something far bigger. But one of the blessings of when we give back to God is he takes those small blessings, those small gifts, and he uses them in his power and his might and his wisdom to do great good for his kingdom. He doesn't need it, and I'll stand by that. But he chooses to give us that opportunity to invest in his kingdom work, to see how he would take our small offerings and use them for his glory. So, I think as we look this Christmas at our giving, to stop and remember the purpose of it, to worship God, to keep in mind the posture of it, that we give in response to God, we give in reverence to the King, and we do it in rejoicing. But I also want to talk about the practice of giving. The practice of giving. This is where it gets real. I think uh, as we've talked in our theology class right our theology and understanding of things should become practical for us if it doesn't produce action then there's some sort of a disconnect somewhere in the chain of thinking we've not properly understood these things and so uh, as we talk about this topic and we recognize that what god is truly after is our hearts he's after our hearts he's after our worship i think the heart is revealed in the way that we engage with the world around us. The scriptures seem clear to that. Jesus talks about not storing up treasures on this earth where moth and rust destroy. In First John, it talks about not loving this world. I would say that our practice ultimately becomes the display for the posture of our hearts. That our practice becomes the proper display for the posture of our hearts. It will be seen in how we engage in it. So I want to start and just highlight two things I like two things as we see, even with the wise men here. Give of your time. I think we oftentimes just think of our treasures and our finances and our resources, but give of your time. Give your time back to the Lord. I think it's easy for us to look uh, later in this uh, story with the wise men and we we look at verse 11 and we look at the gold the frankincense and the myrrh and we're like look at the look at the gifts that they really bring to jesus but we fail to stop and and consider the time that was invested for them to come and do this we don't know exactly where these men were coming from we don't know exactly how far their journey But we have good reason to believe that their round trip to make this little journey to Bethlehem to worship this king who was born probably was a couple of months' round trip. We're not talking a couple of weeks for vacation or a few days off. They're saying, hey, we're packing up, and we'll be back in 90 days. Okay, I want to encourage you that as you consider your practice of giving to to consider how you could give your time back to the Lord. He has blessed all of us with an equal amount of time to use. And the question is, how will we invest those minutes and those seconds and those hours, those weeks to His glory? I want to encourage you to ponder those things. And I think the easy thing for us, if we really get down to it, the easy thing is to invest our treasures. It's, it's easy to drop a check in the box in the back or, or give online or do whatever and say, okay, it's, it's done, I've, I've given, right? No, no more. I think the hard thing is to give our time. Man, that's demanding of us, isn't it? I think time is one of the greatest resources that we have. How can we honor God with it? You can get 200 bucks back, you can get 50 bucks back, but you're never going to get today back. You have one shot at it. You will never again in your life live this very moment. Does that ever strike you? When I let that sink in, I start to think, "Holy smokes, how can I utilize this moment to the glory of God?" This moment in this moment in this one how can I honor God with the time that he has given me how can you do it in personal ways between you and God you have to start your day there maybe on your commute you've got time you're like Lord this is, this is the time between me and you I'm driving right now I don't have the distractions of everything else in life I, it is me and you in the evening, do you, do you carve out time that's like this? This time is me and God. This time belongs to Him. And I don't want it to be a legalistic thing, but just a way to say, I want it is my heart's desire to worship and honor Him with my time, to do so personally. Are there ways you're investing your time publicly? I say that's an opportunity to be serving in external ways where you're serving other people to the glory of God. Maybe it's in this church. We've got people downstairs in the nursery right now. We have every single week people who are saying, hey, I am willing to give a Sunday down in the nursery so that we can bless the moms and families so they can be in the service sometimes. So they're not running around after two-year-olds every week. They have an opportunity to sit and say, I want to worship God too. I can serve them in that way. Bill, I don't know how much time you put into teaching your theology class each week. But he comes, and, and Sunday mornings before the service, he, he walks us through different points of theology, and we're, doing, we're learning a lot. But it's an investment of time. Planning and leading our worship services. Helping out with the youth group. Leading small groups. I mean, we have people around taking care of the building. How, how many hours were spent decorating this place this week? A lot. The opportunities, guys, to take our time and say, Lord, I want to I use this for your glory. I want to use this to honor you. Give of your time. Consider, and I'm not, I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody. I look around this room and I see a lot of people who are giving a lot of time to God. And if anything, stop and just say, Lord, am I doing it in a way that's honoring you? Is the posture of my heart where it ought to be? Secondly, give of your treasure. Give of your treasure. The gifts that these wise men brought were no white elephant gift. We had a white elephant gift exchange with the youth group in Sugar Grove last week. You want to tell a bunch of 12-year-olds to bring a white elephant gift? Oh, (laughs) there's some treasures that you will find in that exchange. One kid brought a bag of water just to give you a perspective there. It's just, a, just a bag of water. So that's cool. <laughs> but the gifts, man, that these wise men brought to honor this king, they weren't a white elephant gift. They weren't something that was an afterthought that they stopped by Target on the way and said, oh, oh man, we need to grab something real quick and, oh, did you get a bag? Oh, no, I completely forgot. Oh. These... Gifts held great significance. Great gifts befitting of a king. Gifts that would honor a king. Not because Jesus needed them, but because it was their way to honor and to worship him. So I want to put it before you. Again, not to to guilt trip in any way but the Spirit would be at work in your heart to say, are you giving of your treasures in a way that is honoring and befitting of a king? The king of the universe. Many of you are. And for that, I thank you. I thank you. But again, I want us to stop and just ask the question, where is the posture of my heart? That is a question that I have to come back to on a daily basis in my walk with God. Am I doing it out of duty? Or am I doing it with the intention of honoring Him? It's my guess that for each of us there is some level of easy giving back to the Lord. Something that's easy. And I want to encourage us to consider ways that we might be able to give to God in a way that might be even sacrificial I want to encourage you to spend time and ask the questions man uh, what do my current giving practices reveal about the posture of my heart before God whatever they may be just ask God to meet you in that question Lord where am I at Am am I in the right place right now and if he gives you the blessing of it, then say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the blessing to be here. But be intentional, spend time with the Lord and consider these things. That wouldn't just be an afterthought, but you go before him and say, It is my desire to honor you first and foremost with all of the blessings that you have given my time and my treasure, that you would be glorified in it all. There's a lot of reason to give back. A lot of reason to give to the Lord. To Him be the glory in all of it. Amen.